Hey guys, welcome to This Week I Learned. First thing I want to talk about is the save as PDF function in Safari in iOS devices. So basically when you visit a site, there's a share button there and you can use the save as PDF to iBooks option. So this basically creates a pretty nice uh, looking PDF which tries to replicate what is actually shown in the site. So it's not just uh, a sad looking uh, PDF that's just grabbed the text and made it a PDF. It's actually like the site itself. If you don't have an iOS device, uh, you can try out Simple Print. So check out the blog accompanying this podcast and there's a link to Simple Print. So if you don't have um, an iOS device, you can try that instead. First thing I'm going to talk about is one of the highlights of this year with regards to tech so far in 2018 and that's the TensorFlow Dev Summit 2018 and they talked about a lot of exciting stuff about TensorFlow and a lot of uh, new uh, techniques and new additions to the TensorFlow uh, core functionality and the TensorFlow family of libraries themselves also there are there were presentations about applications of tensorflow to different areas like medicine agriculture and whatnot so uh, there are a lot of uh, interesting uh, segments for tensorflow dev summit that are pretty relevant to me and we'll talk about them shortly A month after the actual TensorFlow Dev Summit was the TensorFlow Dev Summit Extended Manila held in PLDT InnoLabs. I was fortunate enough to be one of the speakers and I talked about TensorFlow.js there. So TensorFlow.js is an evolution of DeepLearn.js which was released by Google last year. Um, now DeepLearn.js is now a part of TensorFlow.js and TensorFlow.js has uh, great APIs for working with data and doing machine learning on the web. So basically you can do training and import models from TensorFlow and Keras into TensorFlow.js. And the best thing is it's in the web and you have access to um, the higher level APIs like tf.layers inside TensorFlow.js. One other revolutionary thing about this is because it's in JS, it's not just limited to the web. You can also use TensorFlow.js in mobile apps because you can use JS to build mobile apps. Then you can use it in your VR apps because you can use JS to build VR apps. And you can even use it in, uh, in your IoT devices to program them using um, whatever JavaScript library that you want. 
and then just import tensorflow.js so this makes tensorflow.js very powerful and a bigger step in democratizing and actually democratizing ai so if you want to check this out you can uh, find the repo of my code of my demo on on my github so it's github.com slash john paul ada and you can also check out tensorflow.js at js.tensorflow.org also they have an official blog now so it's not just all about tensorflow.js it's all, it's all about tensorflow and the google and google's ai space so it's there on medium i think it's medium.com slash tensorflow you can just check it out one other nice thing that I want to talk about is TensorFlow Hub. So basically, TensorFlow Hub is a is a collection of um, model, partial models. So it's like parts of a model that you can just import into your project. So basically, instead of uh, getting an actual big model and doing the number of steps that you need to actually import it and retrain it if you want to do transfer learning you can then instead import it using tensorflow hub in one line provided provided that you have an internet connection but that's it that's a small price to pay if you have an internet connection you can just use a single line to import the the latest um, innovations in models like nasnet which was um, Google's AutoML for, for vision. You can just import it and use it in your projects in a single line. So you don't even have to think about um, a lot of things uh, like downloading it and plugging it in and getting the layer that you want. You just have to um, actually import it in a single line with TensorFlow Hub. So definitely check that out if you're interested. Next up, we'll go from AI into DevOps and we'll talk about Kubernetes Click, which was created by Databricks to make it easier to mess around with the Kubernetes CLI. So basically what Click does is um, when you get uh, something, like for example, a pod, when you select a pod, it's selected. It's it's already in the context and you can do a couple of different operations on it but you don't have to keep selecting the pod like keep opening kubectl uh, and then get pod to get the the id of the pod you don't need to do that once you select that using click it's already there in the context and you can play around with it and and manipulate it however you want and it will be in the context and then unless you actually want to change it this actually speeds up a bunch of tasks when, you, when you're dealing with um, Kubernetes because sometimes you need to uh, do a couple of things to a particular entity like a pod, but you need to keep calling kubectl get pod. So with Kubernetes click, you don't need to do that anymore. This makes things uh, much more uh, much faster, much more efficient than before. So if you do uh, Kubernetes with kubectl a lot, you should try Kubernetes click from Databricks out. Mm -hmm.
Next up is Crunch, which is a PNG compressor. Uh, it's not that popular because it's relatively new, but it promises to be a really good compression, but at the same time at an insanely slow rate. So basically, you'll have to wait for a minute or a couple of minutes in order to compress your PNG file, but it promises to be a really good compression. So if you have the time to actually do that, Definitely check out Crunch. Next, we have Sketch to PDF. This uh, is a tool that allows you to convert your sketch files. If you're not familiar with Sketch, it's a program for doing vector uh, graphics in Mac. So a lot of designers use it, a lot of designers who are on Mac use it. So Sketch to PDF converts your sketch files, uh, which are maybe, either, uh, I think it's analogous to like AI files, and then converts it to PDF. So from your styles, you can immediately just convert it into PDF just like that. You don't have to open Sketch. So definitely check this out if you're into this kind of stuff. Next one is for the front-end developers and this one is Pop Motion Pose. If you're familiar with Pop Motion, it's a pretty great um, API for doing animations in the front-end web. So Pop Motion Pose takes that into another level by making Pop Motion declarative. So if you're familiar with React, the, the declarative way of creating um, reusable components, it's pretty similar like that. So when you say declarative, you don't define how and when an action actually happens. You just describe what the act, what action will be taken. You don't need to describe how the action will be taken. You don't need to uh, tell the computer that. You just need to tell it what to do. So basically, it's like that in Pop Motion Post. You define a particular animation, you define a pr parameters, and you don't need to touch it anymore. You don't need to um, manually recall methods on them. You just define the animation and on the creation of the element, and that's it. So that's what makes uh, Pop Motion Post powerful. Um, and it's very compatible with React because, well, it is declarative. So definitely check this out if you're doing animations in the front-end web. Oh, and also a new update, Pop Motion Pose, oh, Pop Motion, sorry, is now available in React Native. So you can take this power, not just in the web, but also bring it into your mobile apps. So I think this would be a very interesting thing to try out. So again, it's Pop Motion and Pop Motion Pose. And we have another one for DevOps, and that is Jenkins X. Basically, if you know what Jenkins is, well, Jenkins is a system uh, for CI, CD flows, uh, like, you know, automated testing and deployment flows, things like that, and building or whatever. 
So anything that you want to do repeatedly with, with regards to your code, uh, usually you could do it with Jenkins, like you know, building your code if it's a desktop application and just deploying it, or maybe just running tests on your uh, front-end web application and then deploying it. Uh, Jenkins can do that, and it's free and open source. And Jenkins X uh, takes this to another playing field, which is Kubernetes. So Jenkins X allows you to actually create CI and CD flows in Kubernetes. So imagine the implications of this. So there are a lot of things that can be done in this space. And I think um, this will make developers, uh, developer workflows, DevOps much, much easier when dealing with Kubernetes. So if you're familiar, already familiar with Jenkins, it wouldn't be difficult for you to get on this bandwagon of sorts and they say that it's actually very powerful it uh it has simplified a lot of the flow but it is also pretty flexible that you can change the docker files or um the jenkins file if you want so if you're working with kubernetes and you want to do uh, automated continuous integration and continuous deployment and development you can try out jenkins x